welcome to Spanning the Spurs, a San Antonio Spurs podcast and a member of the Hoopheads Podcast Network. I'm your host, Corbin Ford. You can follow me on Twitter at CorbinNBA. And on Spanning the Spurs, we talk about the players, the coach, and the opposition of the best NBA team in Texas. I thank y'all for joining me, and let's get started. Hey, hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com slash team pricing to learn more. That's A-R-Y-S-E dot com. Welcome to episode 10 of Spanning the Spurs, a San Antonio Spurs podcast. I'm your host, Corbin Ford. You can find me on Twitter at CorbinMBA. Span the Spurs is a part of the Hoopheads podcast network, which is just a dedicated net- podcast network of bringing you the best in basketball content, featuring shows and hosts like myself, dedicated to growing the game for coaches, players, and of course, the fans, because that's where it all begins, right? You can check us all out on Twitter at HoopheadsPodNet or online HoopheadsPod.com. We have just a plethora of shows, Cavs Central Pod, Nuck If You Buck, 305 Culture Pod, Motor City Hoops, Hashtag Lakers, XNO Breakdowns, just a plethora of shows dedicated to just raising your knowledge and love of the game that we all love. So definitely make sure to check that out. All right, so San Antonio Spurs, you remember the last episode, we kind of went into a little bit of, of the questions that kind of loom ahead it was very a very soft covering of that because we're going to start diving deeper into that in future episodes but right now we got to kind of take a look back on the season that's just passed for the san antonio spurs and there's two ways of doing it looking at you know the young youthful core that still exists as well as you know the veteran group that are now unrestricted free agents and, and kind of reassessing their future there so this episode we're going to look at the vets for the spurs guys who are as of right now no longer affiliated contract-wise with the Spurs, look at the season that they had, look at where they could possibly be going, and if that future is indeed in San Antonio. So, without further ado, let's get started. So, San Antonio has a few free agents to make a decision on. You have, of course, uh, Gorgie Jang, who was a bio guy brought in toward the end of the season. You have Trey Lyles, you know, you want to go deep, Daquan Jeffries, uh, Kata Bates-Diop, uh, Quindari Weatherspoon, Trey Lyles, who was in the doghouse. Then you have the bigger ones. And those are the ones we're going to talk about today. Which, you know, Rudy Gay, Patty Mills, and, and the one we're going to start with, the most important one uh, for the San Antonio Spurs moving forward, DeMar DeRozan. Now, DeMar DeRozan's coming off of a season where he averaged 21.5 points per game, 4.2 rebounds, a team leading 6.9 assists, with a 21 PR. Uh, he was a sub all-star, in my opinion. For the Spurs, he definitely could have made one, except for the fact that the West was just so dang tough entirely. <laughs> but especially in that first half of the season when the Spurs started 22-16, and 16, in my mind, there was no reason why DeMar wasn't, um, just didn't get enough consideration for All-Star buzz. I just don't know. But when you talk about DeMar Rosen being a free agent, there is a lot that goes into it. There is, it's not black and white. 
I, I, I truly believe it's not black and white. Um, for one thing, how else do I say? All right, DeMar DeRozan for the Spurs this season was their go-to guy. You know, down the stretch, he was their closer. He was their best distributor. He was a guy who could get his get his own shot most consistently, even though we all knew it was not going to be a three-pointer. And it didn't matter. We saw how the Spurs played without him, and outside of a few good games, they really struggled. For the most part, he was their unifying force, and he has been for the past three years. All right? Got to talk about all the positives here first, because he has just been their best guy. You know, game-winning shots, game-tying shots, all of that. He's been one of the most efficient scorers in the league with San Antonio. 59.1 true shooting percentage. He's, his playmaking, no joke. Went from 3.1 assists over nine seasons to 6.2 over the past three with San Antonio. He had just a plethora of games where he averaged double figures in assists for the Spurs. And it wasn't even just, oh, I pass the ball, you score, that sort of thing. It was like, you know, some advanced reads, some high-level playmaking uh, for a guy who traditionally has been known to just, you know, focus on putting the ball in the basket, getting to his spots, and going to work from there. Uh, Just kind of going into it, he had 14 games this season where he had between 10 and 14 assists. 31 games between 5 and 9 assists per game. Just mad solid. And that's something that he really brought forth in a major way this year, even more so than he's done in the past two years. Okay, the Spurs have not been a great three-point shooting team, but DeRozan was third in the league in assisted three-pointers. So he's helped get guys their shots and do it in a solid way. And also, with a very good assist percentage and just an amazing assist-to-turnover ratio. For him, it was 3.5. That's good. That's solid, right? I think the negatives is, is where we start kind of turning our ugly head. And, 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 and they kind of start, to begin with, off of the last game that DeRozan may have played with the Spurs. Going 5 for 21 against Memphis? Not great. In a playing game, that could have you know helped your chance to make the postseason because the Spurs haven't made the postseason in any one of DeRozan's three years with the Spurs. Would have been nice. 5 for 21 is not great. Not adding a whole lot to the table aside from that. Three rebounds and three assists in 38 minutes. Not solid either. And one bad game should not be the end-all, be-all for DeRozan. It should not be emblematic of his entire Spurs tenure because that would be just grossly dishonest and also very wrong. But it is a sign. And what is it a sign of? Tough defense. Playing to your strengths. If you can't knock down tough contested mid-rangers and that's your bread and butter, that's the one thing you do. You're not going to a three-point line. You're not bringing other things to the table aside from that. What are you doing? Defensively, I, I can't say the Rizzo's been ground that in. Off-ball awareness has been lackluster. Poor closeouts once in a while. And and some of that could be a te- uh, 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 put to the fact that he assumes such a heavy offensive load. At the same time, I mean, come on now. we got to have something there, right? <laughs> can't just be a total non-entity on the defensive end. But for me... And this is where I end up leading now. A lot of DeRozan's issues as far as a return to the Spurs comes down to his contract. Namely, what is DeMar DeRozan going to fetch in free agency? That is, to me, a tougher question than anything else we have going on here. DeRozan will be going into his age 32 season when next season starts. According to ESPN's Bobby Marks, San Antonio, you know, they, 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 they've, they've been able to negotiate a, a new contract for DeMar DeRozan, right? And it's just the money. Let's talk about it. 
Bob Mark says the Spurs can offer up to $149.1 million over four years, but that his rejected value of DeRose's new salary starts at $31 mil and has a low end of $24 mil. If they don't reach a new deal with DeRozan by August 1st, he'll be just a straight-up unrestricted free agent. Now, that's a lot of money, but DeRozan's played up to that value. For me, the question is years. Do you see DeRozan as a high-end offensive initiator ages 32 through 35? I do not. I don't. I see him hopefully playing, you know, uh, next to someone that is better than him, you know, slotting into that that 1A, you know, second banana role that I think DeRozan would flourish in, and then kind of going into maybe someone not off the bench, but bringing offense in a pinch from a secondary position, being that secondary playmaker. I don't see him carrying that much of a heavy offensive load that deep in his career, and I don't think it's possible because of the inherent flaws to his game that would lend itself to the collapse that he's had in the postseason. Not being a willing three-point shooter. Not being a great three-point shooter when he does take the threes. You know? Having issues on the defensive end. You know, having one of the tougher shots. Yes, you are a tough shot maker, but if that's all you can manufacture on a consistent basis, that's rough. And if you don't have a team that is designed to take the pressure off you in that way and let you cook in that specific um, capacity while also relieving stress while having multiple three-point shooters in other positions, which San Antonio did not have this season, that's tough. That's rough on DeRozan. Now, I see a few things that San Antonio can do right now, right? One, DeRozan might be ready to just go on. He hasn't said as much. You know, he's been um, very um, effusive with his, with his praise of San Antonio and that he's loved his time there. And, you know, I'm sure he wanted to lead them to the postseason, but maybe it, it just wasn't what it was. He made the best of a situation that he didn't want to be in to begin with. Remember, he was traded from Toronto, his home for nine seasons for Kawhi Leonard. I don't think we need to rehash that, but here I am, <laughs> in case you did. Like, that wasn't, you know, that was, he could have cried over spilled milk. We could have taken that milk and made a decent pudding. And that's what he did, right? It wasn't great. I mean, the milk was on the floor. It's kind of a health habit. But he did what he did, right? Spurs could also, you know, maybe try and do a sign and trade. Bobby Marks detailed, though, that for that to happen, San Antonio have to take the salary back into their cap or redirect it to a third party in such a deal. And that's an issue, only because the money that DeRozan will be getting would be hard for a bunch of teams that may be interested. You know, maybe the Lakers, uh, I would personally like the Mavericks or something, if you're going to go in part ways with DeRozan. But a lot of these teams are handicapped by a lack of cap space. And those that aren't, you know, it could work. But then you have a situation there where it's not, it's not impossible, but it would certainly be difficult. For myself, I look at the market and I go, okay, if DeRozan's not going to a championship contending team, then well, I, I don't see DeRozan leaving San Antonio for Charlotte or, or a team like that, right? Um, if it was a team like Miami or, like I said, a team like Dallas that was interested, fine. you know. And then for San Antonio, you look forward to the future. You say, okay, you have just a ton of possessions that can now be soaked up by more of your young core. You know, What will Lonnie Walker do? with DeRozan's usage. Right now, I started to think about it, but come on, with the off-season of improvement, what can we imagine seeing? You know? What do we see in an idealized role for DeJounte Murray, assuming more of an offensive responsibility in his age 25-26 season? You know, what does that look like? Kind of tap into these Spurs in what will most assuredly then be a most definite development year and see which of these guys have the, the playmaking and scoring chops, chops to emerge as this new you know, offensive initiative for the Spurs. You know, either unlocking parts of their games or, or further evolving their games to fit that need and, and seeing what they have there and if they need to, 
you know, go and, 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 and bring in those attributes from outside from outside sources, whether that is in free agency, whether that is through the draft, or whether these um these playmaking talents or these shooting talents, these offensive um I'm trying to find the word resources are already available in house and just have yet to be discovered. That is the question that I think when I bring up DeMar DeRozan. All in all, for for DeMar, if this was it for him in San Antonio, he had a heck of a run. I think it will be kind of underrated because nothing came of it in terms of postseason success or lasting team success outside of just kind of a bridge year, bridge years after Kawhi and whatever this new uh, rebuild will be. I don't think the Spurs go moving on from DeMar DeRozan and still try to be a win-now team. That just seems uh, kind of productive to the entire process there. But for three years in, in San Antonio, 21 points, five rebounds, six assists on 50% shooting from the field is not horrible at all. Now, shooting 22% from three, that's rough. But let's be real. DeRozan, for his career, is 28% from three. He hasn't taken the three ball. He hasn't incorporated that in his diet. He hasn't made that a thing. Although he said, you know, hey, I can shoot the three, but I choose not to. The numbers would disagree with you there, buddy. All right? First season in San Antonio, 15%. Second season, 25%. Third season, 25%. So I think we're kept out in the mid-20s, which is not great for someone who can, quote-unquote, shoot the three. But that's besides the point. That's besides the point. I think that a lot of where we see DeRozan and how he fits with the Spurs goes into stuff that we don't have, into questions that we haven't had answered yet. Is Greg Popovich going to return? I mean, I don't expect an answer right now, you know, less than, what, two weeks or so since the season ended, but we don't have an answer, so we don't know. When he comes back, is he going to want to start to facilitate a rebuild that he most certainly will not still be in charge of when that team becomes the idealized version of what they are? Is that something that Pop is interested in? So far, not yet. So that's the question that has to be answered. Are the Spurs, you know, we have the draft lottery in a couple weeks, draft in a month. Who, Where are they going to be in the draft? Who are they going to pick there? You know, then the offseason, what's going to be available? What moves can San Antonio make to re-up? I don't know yet. And a lot of that lines in directly with DeMar DeRozan because he is the biggest fish for the Spurs, one of the bigger ones in the offseason as a free agent in general. But he is much more prominent in the Spurs' plans, whether or not they re-sign him or not, than two other guys we'll talk about in a minute, you know, Rudy Gay or Patty Mills, who are very solid players, but don't necessarily move the needle, you know, significantly one direction or the other. They're great guys to have. They don't hurt you if they stick around, you know, whereas DeRozan can definitely make an impact positively, negatively. He can make a significant impact right now, you know, in the tail end of his prime. So we'll have to see how it goes. Definitely stay monitored. You know, I'll be keeping track on any news, rumors, or anything regarding DeRozan. Uh, but right now, this is where we are. And if I had to go and, and make a decision on DeRozan, I wouldn't bring him back. I wouldn't. I, if he comes back, I'll be I'll be I'll be overjoyed. You know, he's been. I think he's been great for the development of these young guards for San Antonio. You know, for Lonnie Walker, for uh, uh, Dejounte Murray. I wish we had seen more of uh, DeRozan and Derek White together. You know, just those types of of, of combinations. But with the Spurs being where they are, and with DeRozan not necessarily being a good fit, I don't know. Like, they don't need an old vet right now in that way, you know? And who knows if DeRozan wants to stick around and, and, and hold that capacity, you know? And and that's where I'm at right now. And, and then the, my other question, and this is my more pressing, like, question concerning a DeRozan return, is that, okay, if you bring him back and you're in a win-now status, what other moves are you making to win now you know are you throwing the bag at john collins um 
is that is that the move we're going with? Laurie Markkinen, who I don't think is that significant a win-now player, but guys like that, you know, that you do have to fill the four spot there. And mind you, DeRozan played three and four for San Antonio, but, like, he was kind of overmatched at the four, in my opinion, um, especially for the way the Spurs play in a more traditional kind of uh, capacity. So he's going to be one that's very interesting. Uh, this free agency, this free agent class is going to be interesting in what DeMar DeRozan gets. Again, the word is interesting, and that's all I have right now for Mr. DeMar Darnell DeRozan. But uh, hopefully we get some answers soon, and you know we'll break it down over here. Patty Mills is the next free agent that we're going to talk about. And Patty Mills season, you know, could be looked at as a tale of two halves. You had, you know, the first half of the year and and the last. <laughs> I mean, there was a, a, a very brief blurb like in the middle that was probably worse but that's how I look at it so Mills for the season averaged 10 points one and a half rebounds and two and a half assists per game so 10.8 1.7 2.4 he shot 41 percent from the field 37 percent from three and this was on six three point attempts per game which is a career high for him um the 10 points per game, he's done that a few times in his career, so his actual career high in scoring was the season before. But, you know, when Patty Mills first came in to this season, the hope was that, okay, we need him to be the offensive linchpin off the bench for the Spurs. He has to go into FIBA Patty, uh, which is the more aggressive, offensive-minded Patty Mills that you see in the Olympics, you know, specifically for the FIBA team. You know, going around, shooting threes, being aggressive, just coming off, firing off the bench. And Patty did a good job of that. Uh, over the first half of the year, he was averaging career high 14.7 points per game, and he shot 56.9% from three-point range. I remember a really good um, San Antonio Spurs win over the Timberwolves, 125 to 119, and a lot of things that were involved in that one. You had Carlton Towns at the turning from injury. He'd been gone for a minute. You had DeMar DeRozan with 38 points that game on 13 of 23 from the field. And then you had Anthony Edwards, you know, having an Anthony Edwards game. This was early in the season. So, you know, he made a costly rookie mistake, had an up and down game. But the important part of that game to me was the play of Patty Mills. Just absolute clutch shot making. He had 21 points off the bench that game. Hit two huge shots in overtime. Uh, hit a three-pointer to really make it a go-ahead go, go ahead, uh, a game for them. It drilled another mid-ranger just to make sure that it stayed, you know, in the Spurs' favor. He was playing amazing. A, a week before that, he had hit eight threes in a win for the Spurs over the Lakers. And, you know, he's doing the exact same thing, or he was during the season, coming off the bench, knocking down jumpers, and creating a spark. He just did it better. At the time, he was third in the league behind uh, only P.J. Tucker and Seth Curry. Uh, he was kind of dancing with the 50-40-90 club, and he had 1.33 points per possession, which at the time made him the eighth most efficient scorer in the entire league, and this was in January. Now, obviously, you notice I said he was dancing in January with the 50-40-90, and he finished this season shooting 41-37-91. and 91. Obviously, you know, the, there was a dip there, not for the free throw line where he finished over 90%, but from the field and especially from three. And so you have to ask, what happened? You know, why did he have, um, why did he have such a knock? And honestly, it was just a horrific, horrific slump for Patty Mills. And this could be, you know, due to a variety of factors. This was COVID had racked the team, injuries were in play, you know, Patty was playing a lot more minutes. Fatigue was a factor. The second half of the season for the Spurs was just 
backloaded with back-to-backs and, you know, three games and four nights and that sort of thing. So that definitely could have played a, a part. But for whatever reason, Patty completely fell off the map shooting. Uh, in the month of April, he shot 34% from the floor and 31% from beyond the arc. In May, that dropped even worse. He shot 23% from the floor and 19% from three. Uh, in that time, the Spurs were almost 13 points better per 100 possessions with Mills off the floor. The numbers were just horrific. The eye test was just as bad. And it was bad because he was one of the key veterans, the other one we're going to get to in a second, Rudy Gay, who were, were big shot makers off the bench. They were really the key drivers of any semblance of Spurs offense after the starters went down, specifically DeMar DeRozan. And so it was rough. And, you know, it was tough because if he was getting benched after missing a couple shots, his confidence, which was already low, would plummet even further. It was a rough stretch. And fortunately, he wasn't able to rebound that some. Um, but then we saw, you know, in that final game uh, against the Memphis Grizzlies, he was another guy who was cold. Now, he came off the bench and had some big shots to really get them back in it. But at the end of the day, you know, he it was a rough close to the year for Patty. Definitely a sour taste after that strong start that he had to begin with. And, you know, here's the thing. Patty Mills is 32 years old, you know? Um, he's He's been playing so long, he hasn't really been injured, but his game is one that wears down quickly. The, the, the thing that you want to use to keep him around is that he is integral to the Spurs culture still. He is that one guy who has still been there from the glory days of Tim Duncan, you know, Manu Ginobili and Tony Parker, you know, was a member of the team that won the ring back in 2014. You have that with Patty that if you let him go, that's pretty much gone outside the coaching staff. So you definitely don't want to cut ties with your last piece, especially if he's going to be someone that can still be productive on the floor. At the same time, I mean, you have to look at the money. You know what I mean? Are you, you going to, what, 10, 12 mil? That's how much he's made so far over the past four years. Is he worth that, you know, through 35, 36? You know, do you keep him around uh, for a discounted rate and stretch out a little longer? I don't know. Uh, regardless of that, I mean, it's, it's, it's weird because if he does leave, it is the end of an era for San Antonio officially. It already is one. I mean, for the most part, you've had that since Tim Duncan was gone, you know, since Manu retired since uh, Kawhi Leonard was traded. Like, these were seismic changes in the history of the San Antonio Spurs over the past 10 years. You know, I'm not trying at all to say that there haven't been changes up to this point, but at the same time, at the same time, Patty Mills is another shift. He's another shift, regardless of the fact that he is, you know, the one fan favorite that we have left from the last championship team. Someone who is a three-point assassin. Someone who is going to get in opposing players' grill and be pesky and just defend. And go in every night with 100% effort. We don't know. We'll have to see kind of how that works out. Just like I did with DeMar DeRozan, I have to think about what I would do for Patty Mills. And honestly, Patty Mills isn't as... I don't want to say he's not as impactful as DeMar DeRozan. That, that's not fair or accurate. What I mean to say is that I would bring him around. If he wants to go to greener pastures, you know, or if he demands a lot more money than you're comfortable paying, I would definitely let Patty Mills walk. But him coming back to kind of continue being that guy for these young Spurs, sure. I don't see it as anything negative, you know, to have someone who's going to set the tone, who can still play. You know, that drop-off notwithstanding, he is still a, a very solid three-point shooter, can still help the team in, in ways that go beyond the floor, of which he's still valuable in. So, it's weird 
to try to, I don't know, make the end all be all for Patty Mills. I think that ultimately it comes down to what he demands in free agency, what he's looking for. But if it's on the Spurs end, yes, you know, keep him. Let him help these other young guards who still have guys. Jonte Murray's only, you know, he's 25. He's been there for a while. So he'd be your next elder statesman. So you still have Lonnie Walker. You know, you still have Kelton Johnson. These other guys who can always learn from a vet like Patty. And as a fan, who doesn't like to see him come off the bench, popping threes, having that hair falling down? Patty, I mean, come on now. That's the intangibles, right? It's part of the, it's part of the stuff that won't show up on the box score, but really, really ties into the love of the game. So I say keep Patty Mills, but if the price is right. There's one last person I like to talk about in terms of the vets for San Antonio that are going to enter, you know, unrestricted free agency, and that is Rudy Gay. Rudy Gay, once a former borderline all-star, has finished his fourth year of his 14 NBA seasons so far with the Spurs. He's going to be turning 35 in August, and he had a steady season for the Spurs. He did. I think one of my favorite games of his actually came into loss, but it was the um, playing loss on the 19th against the Grizzlies, where Rudy Gay did pretty much everything he could to keep the team going. He finished 20 points at seven rebounds. Now, mind you, it was on 8-21 shooting, but he gave the Spurs some really big fourth quarter scoring. He had nine points in the fourth alone, seven of which came in the final three minutes of regulation. Um, and a, a pair of threes. He, he actually hit the majority of the Spurs' future amount of threes in that game. Um, what, two of eight? It was pretty rough, but he's a guy who is going to get you buckets, and you know this is plain and simple. There may not be a whole lot else he brings to the table. I think he's still a steady enough rebounder. Uh, he had several games uh, that he had at least you know five or more rebounds. Um, in fact, most of that was in the five to nine range. He had 34 games where he had between five and nine rebounds, so pretty solid there. As far as points, he only cracked the the 20 point. Uh, Mark twice this season. Uh, he had 22 in a loss against the Pelicans on December 27th, and then 21 uh, in a win against Portland on the 18th of January. But for the most part, he was right around that sweet spot of 10 to 15 points. Uh, he did that 40 times. Uh, between 10 and 19 points, uh, he had 40 times this season that amount. So Rudy was definitely able to help in that regard. He was still a pretty capable defender. A 7-3 wingspan will help with that. You know, he doesn't just bleed points on that end, and that's important to know um, because that shows that there is some value there aside from just, you know, scoring the ball. He can at least defend his position. I'm not calling him a stopper by any stretch of the imagination, but he's someone who can credibly, you know, be in a defensive scheme and not be the sole weak spot. With that being said, he's the one least likely for me to stay with the Spurs long-term because he doesn't have the value long-term that DeMar DeRozan will have, at least for the next two years, of an impactful uh, uh, raise-your-floor your level of play in terms of being a scorer, distributor, the like. He doesn't have that. And yet he doesn't have the ties to San Antonio that Patty Mills does. Patty Mills spending almost a decade in San Antonio as opposed to Rudy Gay's four years, which, while still good, isn't quite the same. And also, I think that he can get a reasonable deal that San Antonio just wouldn't need to pay to keep him it just doesn't make any sense to me i think you know if he gets like a two-year you know 16 million dollar deal or two-year 50 million dollar deal 15 million dollar deal excuse me uh which you know seven or eight for a year that's not bad i think he can definitely help a team like the heat a team like the mavericks a team that needs some additional 
scoring, you know, off the bench in a minute, microwave type scoring, you know, a little uh, off the bounce, not a whole lot there, but somebody can catch and shoot, somebody can create some offense in a pinch, that's what I'm looking at. In San Antonio, while they do need that in general, you'd much rather hope that I can come from within with one of the younger players to have to pay, you know, a two-year deal for a 34-year-old Rudy Gay that will carry and pass his 35- and 36-year-old seasons. It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense unless you are looking to contend or be that uh, contention level, playoff contender, that sort of level. I don't see how the Spurs turn to a championship-level team next season this soon, but you get where I'm coming from. And honestly, I don't see the Spurs doing that. And so that makes it tough for me to see Rudy Gay in that light. That being said, the guy's actually had a really solid career. You know, for San Antonio, he's been uh, nothing if not steady. And I think that's important. Over four seasons with the Spurs, 11 points, five rebounds, and just under two assists per game. Shot 36% from three, 46% from the field. If this is it for Rudy Gay in San Antonio, it, it, it's been good, especially for a guy, you know, remaking himself as a solid bench player. After, you know, spending a lot of time in Memphis and then Toronto and Sacramento, it's just a shame that he really didn't get to experience a lot of the winning um, outside of his first uh, couple of seasons, you know, that the Spurs are, are, are really known for. But... Yeah, he, he had himself a tremendous run, and he fully embraced the power forward position. So, there's some hope there for a guy like Rudy Guy. Alright, well that'll do it here for this latest episode of Spang the Spurs. Uh, definitely make sure to check us out on iTunes, uh, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. I use Podcast Addict myself. Uh, remember, this is a reminder to check out the Hoop Heads Podcast Network, Hoop Heads Pod Net on Twitter. Uh, just a plethora of great shows as I like to tell y'all that are worth checking out from the Wizards to the Lakers to just general NBA X and O's to just coaching on, on a local level. Uh, a bunch of great content that you you would be sore uh, sorely missed on if, if you didn't check that out. So definitely do that. You can follow me on Twitter at CorbinNBA, C-O-R-B-A-N-N-B-A. And yeah, we'll kind of continue to see what happens with the Spurs. I will be back here soon. Uh, with the evaluation of these younger Spurs guys, that's going to be interesting, especially with the the amount that are still under contract and where they might fit in from a guy like a Derek White to a DeJounte Murray to a Keldon Johnson uh, to a Lonnie Walker. It, it should be very interesting. But until then, take care, stay safe, and go Spurs, go! Now just about do it here for another episode of Spanning the Spurs. Thank y'all for joining me. Make sure to like, review, subscribe, wherever you find podcasts if you like this show. Make sure to check out the other great shows on the Hoop Heads Podcast Network. A lot of great content going on over there for certain. Where you can find me? Oh, I'm glad you asked. Follow me on Twitter at CorbinNBA. And until then, stay cool and I'll catch y'all next time on another episode of Spanning the Spurs. And as always, go Spurs, go.